This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome back to Launchpad on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host this week, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton, where I teach entrepreneurship innovation as well as product design. On today's show, I'm speaking with eight of the semifinalists of the Penn Wharton Entrepreneurship Startup Challenge, which is coming up next week. And I'm joined now in the studio by the co-founders of Avrani, Rushi Roy, who's the CEO, and Justin Silver, who's the president. Rushi and Justin, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, happy Carl. To be here. All right, Rushi, give us the elevator pitch. What's Avrani all about? <laughs> sure. So um, by way of background, I was born and raised in Michigan, but my parents are immigrants from India. So my upbringing was enriched with constant celebrations of the culture and the heritage. And a big part of that involved the gatherings of women in the immigrant community, mm. mothers, grandmothers, aunts, and daughters, coming together to recreate the skincare rituals that have been passed down generations uh, using household ingredients from our kitchen, like turmeric, almond oil, and neem. And these solutions were treatments to solve the skincare issues we all face, like acne, hyperpigmentation, dryness, et cetera. Um, and it was only until I started pursuing my career in finance uh, that I didn't have access to these mm. formulations. Um, and I was working long hours and eating very poorly, yeah. and it reflected in my skin. I yeah. was breaking out in ways I hadn't ever experienced. I uh, started spending hundreds, nearly thousands of dollars on anything I could find to make it go away, but nothing was really long-lasting or working at all for mm. me, and every time I would go back home to Michigan to visit my family, my mother would take my face and freak out a little bit. Wow. What happened here? Um, and then thoughtfully craft a turmeric mask for me for the issues I was facing. Mm. And it would instantly soothe my skin of all the irritation from the chemicals and actually resolve the acne for an extended period of time. And I just kept wishing, why can't I buy this at the store? Because I didn't have the time to source all these ingredients, yeah. let alone make them myself. And that was the core pain point behind Avrani mm. and what inspired me to exit my career pursue entrepreneurship and start by going to business school. Wow. That's a great story. I'm surprised you didn't say, Rushi, I quit that finance job. That should have been. <laughs> she did. She did. She tried that. Um, yeah. Because as, as I learned, yeah. it, it really is a holistic approach right. to self-care that right. is important. And I now appreciate that more than I ever have before. Right. So, um, uh, so Justin, I'm guessing, Justin Silver, I'm guessing you were born in Michigan and grew up in India. Is that <laughs> yes, that's my background as an Indian-American woman. Yeah. Um, well, no, uh, I bring a different, uh, definitely a different side to the How table. How did you get involved? Uh, so I met Rushi uh, here at Wharton on the second day of school. Very wow. serendipitous meeting over, yeah. uh, over lunch. We were in the same cluster, a kind of smaller group of uh, students randomly assigned by Wharton. 
And as we began to talk about our backgrounds, I was telling her uh, my background was actually in consumer investing. Mm. And immediately that was much more interesting than her financial services uh, background. <laughs> and we were talking about the brands that I had worked with. And one of them, which was the one that I was most deeply involved with, was called Tatcha. And it's a Japanese-inspired luxury skincare company. Mm. And I was there when they grew from just under $3 million in revenue to over $50 million in revenue in less than three years. I helped them scale the team from six to over 60 and was there during this critical scaling of the manufacturing facility. Mm -hmm. So learned a ton, but most importantly, was incredibly inspired by the two MBA founders of that company. Um, And I really fell in love with this idea of starting my own company and the skincare space was a really a, a natural way to do that. As I talked to Rushi, she was talking about uh, he was so inspired by that Japanese side of things. I was like, why doesn't this exist? Yeah. Um, for you know, someone with my background. Yeah. So, so Rushi, you came to business school with the intention of starting this business. Is that right? With the intention of exploring how yeah. to do it. Um, I obviously couldn't do it on my own mm-hmm. and needed the at least one other person on my side. And yeah. understanding how important yeah. the team is, uh, really wanted to take my time in navigating that. I didn't expect to get so lucky to On the to second meet. day. Yes. Yeah. That's wow. how we know it was meant to be. Yeah. And, and Justin, how about you? Did you come to Wharton expecting to be an entrepreneur? You know, I... It was something that I was interested in mm-hmm. and something that I was very passionate about. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. My father, my grandfather all started different companies in a variety of spaces. And so it was kind of in my blood. But I, too, had taken that traditional finance path and was doing yeah, banking, investing. And it wasn't until I met Rushi and this idea started to form that I said, like, this is it. This yeah. is my calling. Yeah. And this is where... I'm willing to risk it all. Yeah. So t- how do you – so, Rushi, tell us – walk us through the journey a little bit. So this would have been almost two years ago, 16 yeah, months so ago. Yeah, so this was uh, fall of 2017, yeah. and we made the commitment uh, to do this in September. Mm-hmm. Lot th- of the, 2017. Right, of 2017. Yes. Wow. So you've been working out for a while. Now, I know it, it, at least one of you uh, exploited this as fully as possible for class projects. Other- <laughs> uh, <yes. laughs> Let it be known I got an A plus in, uh, in Carl's class. You did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So, but t- tell us a little bit about that journey at Wharton. That is, what are some of the resources and experiences that you engaged while at business school? And then I guess the other way to ask it would be, was it quite integral to your studies or was it this something you're just trying to do on the side while surviving at work? Yeah, no, yeah. that's a great question. And it's funny you ask that because at first I thought this will be a side project. Mm-hmm. Um, classes will be in one one avenue and this will be separate. But then as we started building the company, as we started writing the business plan, it became increasingly clear how many important takeaways there were from class Mm -hmm. uh, that we could integrate and leverage and use. Um, And in addition to that, even in the ways that uh, things are different in class, like when we talk about mid or late stage companies and their challenges with scaling, it was so interesting to think about it in context of Avrani because it also sparked a lot of conversations and inspired us to think even more long term in our approach 
Um, so in addition to classes, I mean, we, we were part of the Venture Implementation Program, uh, which was so helpful. Yeah. We got in touch with several uh, ex- entrepreneurs and residents who have come amazing alum with so many experiences and helpful insights for us. Um, notably, an early one was one of the co-founders of Sugarfina, uh, Josh. He had come and uh, given us a lot of um, early feedback mm-hmm. before we launched the website, for mm-hmm. example. Um, so we couldn't really have done this without having Wharton um, as an experience in tandem. Yeah. Justin, give us a sense of, of where you are. Like, where, where, give us where you are in the roadmap. Yeah. So uh, the company launched in June 2018. So we've been fully launched. You could go to our website at www.avrani.com. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, at Avrani. Uh, we've got over 15. Okay, 15- Justin, hold up. If you're going to give the pitch, let's get the spelling. Let's make sure they can <laughs> yes, spell it. Yes, that's uh, at Avrani, A-A-V, as in Victor, R-A-N, as in Nancy, I. Avrani. So, Avrani, two A's on the front. Two A's That's on the great. front. Okay. And uh, we, so we've launched. You can buy our products direct to consumer. We have, uh, we've sold thousands of products to thousands of customers and are super excited to continue that growth. We're in conversation, early conversations with some uh, retailers that are coming down the pipeline. And it's just been an incredible experience. One of the, the highlights recently that I like to talk about with Rushi is we just had our customer, our top buying customer, place her 16th order. So in just eight months, uh, someone who has just fully loved the brand and she's one of many. All right. So maybe let's drill down on that launch story. So you launched, let's see, so you would have just, you had just finished your first year mm-hmm. and and you launched in in June, mm-hmm. um, Rushi. How many how many SKUs did you have? Four SKUs. Yeah. And so one of the early learnings that Justin had from Tatcha actually um, was that it's important to come out with a thoughtful set of products, not mm-hmm. too many products, but in order to actually have a platform to share the story of these rituals and traditions, we needed a routine, like a regimen, a skincare regimen that was easy to understand and that women in the U.S. are already used to. So a dual purpose cleanser mask, a toner, a moisturizer, and an eye cream is a pretty standard outline. But then we infused it with Indian inspired ingredients that make them efficacious and clinically proven to improve the look and feel of skin. So Four, four SKUs, and then technically a fifth SKU, which is the four sold together as a ritual set. I see. Um, and so we spent that entire first year of business school iterating on formulations. Mm-hmm. So we were constantly working very closely with our R&D chemists to ensure that the fragrance, absorbability, um, actual efficacy across women from different age groups and ethnicities were actually working before we decided this is it. And so the majority of that first year was ensuring the product formulations were yeah. perfect. So let me just follow up, Rushi, on a, a question, maybe a hard question. So you, your experience of your youth is is using literally pure ingredients like turmeric. That's correct. That's not what you're doing now. No. So what we've done is we take the formulations, for example, one that my mom would use is with turmeric, honey, neem, and milk and Mm -hmm. egg white. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's perishable as well. So what we did was, how do we achieve the effects of this mask, but in a shelf-stable format? Mm. So that's how we 
outlined the R&D process with the chemist. We said these are the ingredients that go into the products, and then these are also ingredients that cannot go into the products in order to meet the highest standards of clean clean beauty as we know it today. Mm. So with those constraints, uh, we were able to to finish the R&D process in in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. It typically actually takes between 18 and 24 months from start to finish. Yeah. Justin, why don't I a- ask you to tell us a little bit more about the formulation process. So um, I-, I was involved in Ill- ill-fated skincare startups. So I was involved with a little bit of this. But um, did you find a manufacturer who had a lab or did you separate to have separate lab and, and, and manufacturer? Yeah, that was a critical learning from yeah. Tatcha was that one, they found a manufacturer that was separate from their chemists and then that manufacturer couldn't scale. We uh, knew going in that we needed to have someone who, uh, you know, the chemist, and the manufacturer were together mm. and on top of that, they could scale with us. And I think at the core was that we needed someone who was an expert in clean beauty. Yeah. And frankly, we wanted someone who had committed to that fully yeah. and would only be producing clean beauty products yeah. as that is so core to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, we did uh, <laughs> we did all of our research. We had hundreds of different manufacturers and then began to just whittle that list down yeah. over time. And uh, we started having calls with different manufacturers and quickly we learned, ah, they're too large. They won't be able to meet our minimum order quantities that we need now and then scale with us or they're too small. They couldn't scale. Um, they didn't use clean beauty. They couldn't make these formulations. But after looking at hundreds and then scaling down to three, uh, we did a huge reference check. And uh, after talking to dozens of companies that worked with right. our current manufacturer, we decided that they are the uh, they were the one. Yeah, but geez, what kind of reference check did they do? How did you <laughs> seriously? How Good do you, question. How do you can, did I mean, did you get lucky, or did they actually check your references? And and I mean, how, let me turn to you, Rishi. How did you convince? the best manufacturer, the one that emerges from this nasty vetting process to work with two, two, uh, two MBA students. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Um, it, it, looking back on it, it was almost similar to an investor pitch or an yeah. investor meeting because yeah. we are asking this manufacturer to believe in our story, our products, and our mission enough to take the risk of enlisting us as partners because where they – actually make their money is when we scale. Right. So they don't want to take their time and energy and resources in crafting brand new products for a team that's just not going to cut it. So when we were speaking with them, we shared what our vision was, what our story is, how we want to scale the products we're looking to do over time. And they loved it. They yeah. they understood. They, being manufacturers, have an insight into the clean beauty space that we don't. And what we said aligned with with what they were seeing in terms of trends and growth. So yeah. it was once again a very fortunate opportunity, but also we they believed in what we were yeah. doing. Let, let me ask you, you: your origin story really plays up the Indian origins, um, but I'm guessing on the sourcing side, you had to make a critical decision about where to source. Yes, absolutely. So tell us how you thought through that and how important or not unimportant it was to have the origin of the goods be in India. Yeah, so the interesting question because the origin of the of the ingredients are Indian, but our manufacturer is based in San Francisco yeah. and sources the highest quality of mm. ingredients. So turmeric, while uh, is Indian inspired, I mean, is available globally. Sure. Uh, so we decided specifically we wanted a U.S. based manufacturer a so that 
we had ease of communication and we could work with them. But also because we interviewed several focus groups and quality assurance around Indian ingredients is just not there. And because we have so much regulation behind every ingredient from start to finish of the end product in the U.S., uh, we took comfort in in that without wanting to take on a risk of international or other standards of what clean is or what an efficacious product is. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we got down this very interesting side path of, of sourcing goods and formulation, but I want to get back to the launch mm-hmm. story. So uh, I'll go back to you, Justin. Um, so you guys launched in June 2018. How did you get attention? For what you're doing. So we were really lucky. Uh, I feel like there, there's a lot of luck involved, but I guess that's <laughs> entrepreneurship. Uh, there was a, a woman who came to speak on Penn's campus, mm-hmm. and her name is Nina Davalori, mm. and she is the first and only Indian American Miss America. And oh, wow. we tell uh, we tell this story that it was that night, and I said to Rushi, I'm like, this is someone we should probably try and talk to. And Rushi said, what do you think is the best that's going to come out of this meeting? We had a lot of work to do that night. <laughs> we had a lot of work to do. We had a lot of work to and I like, said, I'm like, is this, this a good is, use of this, time? We're right? wasting our time. Yeah. I said, you never know. Mm-hmm. And we went to this event, and Rushi fit right in. Um, but in a sea of Indian women, there was uh, – Justin Silver was, was standing me. out. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> we, we asked this question, and she said, that was an amazing question. And then we have this framed in our office now, but we had to Venmo $5 to go meet and greet her uh, after to the, the, to the, to the underground to the club. To the club. Yeah. yeah, she's not charging $5. No, 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 no. <laughs> she and, was actually offended. I'm only $5. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we went, we met her, we told her about the idea, and she just paused and said, this is exactly what I've been looking to do. And we were like, whoa. <laughs> and immediately I was like, I told you. Um, Meanwhile, the best we can get is maybe a selfie with her. I didn't yeah, know. What... Yeah. And after that meeting, we had a series of probably 10 to 15 other meetings, calls. And eventually, yeah. Nina came on as the third co-founder of wow. our business and the chief brand officer. Wow. And so I like to say she is not involved per se in like the the deep, nitty-gritty operational right. side. But when she gets involved, it's like Barry Bonds on steroids. She's hitting a home run. Yeah. Um, and that landed really heavily with PR. And yeah. so getting back uh-huh. to your initial question, yeah. which was how did that launch go, we had coverage from Cheddar, other publications where Nina was able to bring Avrani into the light yeah. um, because of who she was. Yeah. And she already had such a deep and loyal following on her social media mm. platforms. So by her announcing... I'm I'm doing this new thing with here are my co-founders. We got a lot of early unpaid exposure. Yeah, amazing. And so is your plan to remain direct-to-consumer? Yeah, so through 2019, definitely, we would mm-hmm. like to remain direct-to-consumer. Our goal is to raise brand awareness and recognition to the point where it becomes more known and our customer base is more established. But ultimately, this will be a multi-channel strategy. Yeah. And Justin alluded to this earlier, but we are already building our relationships with a few retailers Mm -hmm. so that we are well positioned to have an exclusive retail partnership next Mm -hmm. year Mm -hmm. and potentially do other channels such as QVC, Home Shopping Network, um, and collaborate with other brands and companies along the way. Yeah. 
Um, Justin, we just have a couple minutes, but talk, tell us a little bit about plans for financing. Uh, so we are in the process right now of raising a seed round, and we pre-seed round, really. Uh, the goal here is to raise $1.5 million, and that will take us through uh, the end of 2020, where we expect to have about $5 million in revenue. At that point, it's growth capital as we uh, seek to take on the world. But this funding is focused on uh, b- building our team, which is that critical group that's going to take us from where we are today to something that is uh, a formidable foe for any other company out there. Uh, and also for the products and the R&D as we look to release new products and uh, continue to change the game there. Uh, and then on the uh, final side is the marketing. And we are looking at a ton of unique, differentiated marketing channels. We know that the idea of just spending more money on Facebook ads is dead. Yeah. And we're looking at how do we do that in a unique way so that when we spend a dollar, we don't just get a dollar back or $2 back, we get $10 back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're we're almost out of time, but very quickly, uh, if you can, have you so have you self-financed uh, all the way to this point? Yeah, it's been yeah. Uh, Rushi, myself, and yeah, some friends and family. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So, I mean, uh, uh, really inspiring because to be able to get this far and get launched without raising significant money and then to have the first round be $1.5 million, I mean, to be able to do that is really a testament to your leanness and efficiency. Thank really you awesome. so much. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're, we're out of time. Tell us one more time, Rushi. Let's see, give you a chance. Tell us one more time. How can our listeners uh, find you? Yes, please. Follow us on Instagram at Avrani, A-A-V-R-A-N-I. That's two A's in the front. Uh, like us on Facebook and uh, check out our website. All right. Well, Rushi and Justin, thanks so much for joining us today. It was super interesting. Thank you. Thanks, All right. Carl. And good luck next week. Thank you. All right. Coming up after the break, I'll be joined by four more semifinalist teams, all competing in the Penn Wharton Entrepreneurship Startup Challenge uh, next Friday on May 3rd. I'm I'm uh, Carl Ulrich. I'm Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and you're listening to Launchpad on business radio powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. I'm Carl Ulrich. Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.